Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In episode six, we heard Mike, the federal government behavioral detection specialist, analyzing Lauren Herzog's behavior and reactions to questions raised in his interviews on November 20th, 1998. And then we heard the first part of his interview on February 1st, 1999. We will start this episode with the second part of Lauren's February 1st, 1999 interview which is being conducted by San Joaquin County Sheriff's Detective Tony Cruz and Deborah Shuffle. Just to recap, Herzog is wearing a black top under a plain black hoodie. On his head, he's wearing a black baseball cap, which is now turned backwards. Help me. That's all I'm asking is help. Put it right here. What did Wes tell you about the Chevy Wheeler case back there? That he buried a body on his parents' property? Where? On the property. I think it's under the old cabin thing. At 1724-23, the interrogator asked, what did Wes tell you about the case? That he buried a body on his parents' property. Where? Delayed response. He's thinking... I have to give a good response to this, one that's acceptable to them. It's another deception indicator, and he does these a lot. He's thinking of a good answer to tell them. Then he says, I think it's under the old cabin thing. It's an evasion bag question, another sign of deception. He does the old cabin thing. What is that? So it's a evasion bag. He's not giving any real details about it. Under the old cabin. You've been up there since then, haven't you? Well, no, wait a minute. It could be under it. The cabin was there. It's been a long time. And like I said, I tried to forget it or let it go. However, I... That 1724-43, inconsistent and irrelevant answer. Now, wait a minute, he says, in regards to the same question about the cabin. It couldn't be there because the cabin was there. Now... That's not consistent with what he just said. It's under the old cabin thing. And then he says, wait, the cabin wasn't there. So he's kind of flipped off in his information right there. And it's inconsistent or irrelevant. He said something like, I guess there was, I don't know, there there was blood in the box in a wood floor cabin or whatever. And he, I don't remember who the hell said RC or whatever, how you exactly. He said it was from a deer. 
Can't even do it now. Just came down to do it. He showed you the blood? No. Okay. Well, I'm a little confused now. All right. At 172453, and this is just an observation of mine, a stress indicator that he appears to wipe perspiration from his forehead, accepts perspiration, sign of stress, and it can also be coupled with other cues of sign of deception. But that's just something you can observe, that when he wipes that sweat away from his forehead. Tell me what he told you about Chevy Wheeler. Sorry, I'll get it out. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing he did say that I know for fact was one of the most recent things he told me. Not most recent things, but in the last year. Within the last year? What did he tell you? He said he was sweating up there on the property when you guys were there. He said that his parents asked him, do we have anything to worry about? He said, going small stuff. Tell me small stuff? Old stuff. Only some old stuff. At 17.25.25, interrogator says, tell me what he told you about Chevy Wheeler. He's got a delayed response. Then he licks his lips and he says, sorry, I can't get it out. Then he laughs about it. So right there, he's got deception indicator. He's got another deception indicator of licking his lips. His mouth is going dry. He's stressed can't get it out and he laughs another cover for him to relieve the stress i'm gonna laugh and relieve some of the stress because i'm really getting stressful and he's being deceptive at the same time so at 758.09 what the interrogator asked him what worries you the most lauren and he says his answer is all of it. And he laughs again. Another way to this, to relieve stress, another way to change the direction of the conversation because he's laughing. So it's really not, he's not feeling threatened. So I'm just going to laugh about it. Hear what he said. What worries you the most? The law getting to you or Wes getting to you and your family? Because of what he knows. Okay, then let me tell you this. We do not, we are fact gatherers, like I told you before. But what we do is we work with the district attorney. That's not the way I mean it either. I'm thinking of West being cut because I don't know what I can figure out why you. Everything has to go in certain procedures. Yeah, fair enough. The state laws that protect you protect him. Are you worried about it from a legal stand, but that you would get in trouble with the law? That he would snitch you off because you would get in trouble? Are you worried about that? Or are you worried about Wes doing something to you or your family? What worries you the most, Lauren? All of it. Equally? Nah. <laughs> At 1758-21, the interrogator asks again, what worries you the most? The law getting to you or West getting to you and your family? He leans forward, strokes the knob of his chin, and then has a delayed response. Now, the leaning forward part, 
and the stroking of his chin is a submission clause. A submission clause is he he wants to say what's on his mind, but the interrogators don't go, like I said earlier, they don't go down these holes that he's showing because as we said, as you asked me earlier, then maybe they didn't know what it meant. So if they had, they might've got him to talk a little more about these things. At that point, usually going to the knob of the chin, submission, it can be observed as pre-confession, but he stopped right there. The same laws that protect you protect him. Had West not wanted to involve his old-time friend Lauren in this, he would have just said, you know what, I went over to a friend's house in East Stockton, and when I was on my way home back through Linden, I noticed my old buddy Lauren working on his bike. He bad to Lauren, wanted to go this way, and he wasn't going that way. He wanted to keep going that way. That's why he wants Lauren. And that's why he pulled me right back here. And at 1806.45, had Wes, the interrogator asked, had Wes not wanted to involve his old friend Lauren, his shoulders were higher toward the interrogator again, and he crosses his arms. Basically, both of them, I don't want to talk about that. It's a blocking behavior, crossing your arms, basically says, I'm done. The interview continues with Jerry Herzog, Lauren's father, joining the conversation. You can hear the detectives telling Jerry what has been discussed during Lauren's interview, and his response. We talked to Lauren today, and it's Wes basically saying that Lauren was with him from the time the bar closed until they were seen together by all kinds of people the next day. So Wes Shermantine is saying that Lauren Hurston... I'm trying to let Wes drag me in this. No, I, I'm just... In the to the three people that said... Uh-huh. Just telling you. That this is, if it were up to Wes, this is what Wes is saying, that he and Lauren are together. My investigation has shown that what Lauren says is true, that they were not together the entire time. That there is a small period of time there that there are two other people who corroborate Lauren's statement that he was working on his bike for at least part of that time. But by Lauren's own words, the remainder of the morning from the time that they do hook up again together... They are together. Now, whether or not Lauren is together with Wes and what happened to that young woman still remains to be seen. And we don't know at this point. But by their own words, they are together. And what Lauren also told us today, because of the absence, is does Wes have something over you? And Lauren says that he does. And we've encouraged him to share that with you, even though he is not choosing to, to share that with us. And when I told you all I'll be the first one to give him up if I find out he's involved in this. Okay. But like I said, I well, put my life on the line right now. I'm not, he's not. I'm not particularly saying this particular incident. They're talking about he's been childhood friends with Wes, and there's a lot of stuff that kids get into, and whether that's somewhere in the past, something happened, and he's holding that over you. I think the kids stuff went out a long time ago. It's okay, grown well, stuff now, and we haven't. We don't see West that much. He'll be he'll disappear for six months or more, and then he'll he'll stop by and cause you, all kinds of trouble. 
Lauren, you need to tell your dad about Chevelle Wheeler because at some point it's going to be out there. We need to tell him about Chevelle Wheeler. You will have heard some long pauses during Herzog's interviews, and you will hear more as we go on. Some are as long as 10 seconds. Here is Mike talking about these long silences and what they mean. Yeah, and it's funny when Wes is, whenever I tell, whenever I point out these delayed responses that Lauren has, some of them go up to 10 seconds, and I'll get to those. But what is good for the listeners to experience is look at a stopwatch on your phone and watch those 10 seconds count down and how long it is for him to come up with an answer on some of these questions. It's pretty amazing. You'll be like, wow. He's really thinking about this. In our ongoing journey, dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates, but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey. As someone who's delved deep into the game, Playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, The game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. Both Wesley Shermantine and Lauren Herzog were arrested and charged later, on March 17, 1999. This is Herzog's interview on that date. Herzog is set in the corner of a police interview room. He's wearing a light-collared, buttoned-up shirt with no collar, under a black bomber-style jacket with a badge on the left breast. He has a black baseball cap on that has a gold logo on it. He's being interviewed by Joe Herrera. And later in the interview, you can hear Tony Cruz. There's a lot of things in this investigation that we have come to understand through statements and through physical evidence that we feel that there's more than sufficient enough cause to be able to arrest you. And we could arrest you right now. Really? Okay. All right. That's not a pretend statement. That's not a phony statement. The thing is, is that the district attorney has asked us to go ahead and wait until all the results of the blood that was recovered in West Hermantine's core to be totally analyzed. And we're abiding by that at this point in time because it was recommended, okay? 
Cindy's been missing for, Cindy Van Rijk has been missing for quite, for quite some time. And you've spoken with Detective Shuffle, you've spoken with a few other people, and have provided several different statements. Some of which we know to be true, and some of it we know not to be true. At 1747-13, interrogator telling Lauren he has supplied several different statements in prior interviews. He gives a small chuckle. Again, that's a stress reliever. He wants to erase that part of the conversation. He wants to make the interrogator forget about it. Now, this is a subject thinking he can make the interrogator think about it. If I just laugh it off, they'll just go in a different direction. It's funny to listen to that and how they think that this is going to change the way the questioning is going to go. She kind of went back to go back to her car. She said, dress up a pattern. Where's where I'm going that way? I still went back to see this way. Something with him to the rip going. This isn't good. He started telling her the juice there. And it's kind of a back and forth argument kind of thing. That dude stuff is in sexual acts. I guess it's what you draw. And you just get him wilder and wilder and wound up more and more. I, I told him at once, West, don't kill her, man. Take her back to her car. At 1753-27, he said to West, don't kill her. Just take her back to the car. This is what Lauren said. He said to West, don't kill her. Just take her back to the car. When he's saying this to the interrogator, he has little or no eye contact with her. Trying to gaze him down, looking off to the side. Perception indicator right there. He doesn't want to look at the interrogator when he's saying this because he probably didn't say this. So it's a deception indicator. And it's, again, something that could have probably gone down a little more into detail with that. When I got the card, I started backing up. Yes, I, he turned looking at me one time and I was gone. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. It's hard to explain. I don't want to remember. 1756-26. He says, it's hard to explain. I don't want to remember. Meaning, when Wes was in the process of assaulting, sexually assaulting her, and eventually murdering her. He says, it's hard to explain. I don't want to remember explaining what happened to her. He doesn't want to remember. That's just another memory lapse. He doesn't want to say it. I don't want to remember. I don't want to remember. I don't want to remember. I don't want, you know, I just, it's too hard for me. I don't want to implicate myself. I'm trying to hold her down. And I guess Mr. Jordan, I can never just slick and natural. I can't believe that. At 1756-47, explaining that he was on top of her, Wes was on top of her, he clears his throat. Now, throat clearing is a sign of deception because you don't know, you don't like what you just said, so you want to erase it. It's called erasure. So, he's explaining that it was on top of her, and maybe he didn't want to say that, but he did, so he clears his throat, and he's, I want to forget I just said that. At 1756.50, 
Okay, it's one of my favorites, and Shane will know about this. Another instance of memory reanimation. Now, when he's explaining that West is hitting and striking her, he's making the motion. He's making these small motions of striking her, I think, with the back of his hand, and then almost a punching motion with his hands. Now, he's saying West did this. Usually, the person that did the crime or took part in the crime did this. So, with that, you'll see him explaining what Wes was doing to her, but he's making the motion. This is my opinion that he was there actually doing it. He wasn't just standing on the sidelines watching all this stuff. Also, he's rubbing and wringing his hands together because he's under stress when he's explaining this. So that one's very important to me. My opinion, I think he was involved with that whole assault when he's saying it was all Wes. I think he did it at that point. And yes, you that's really told I'm not. Sway caller? Yeah. Seventeen fifty-seven oh six. He's got increased breathing. He even states, "I can't breathe." Behavior cluster: increased breathing and rubbing and wringing of hands. In that same subject, when he's describing what Wes was doing to her, right there, stress, increased breathing can be a sign of deception in conjunction with stress indicators. So, right there, behavior cluster again. Sure sign of inception. 1757-18. When he's describing what he said to her, Wes said, yeah, Wes said to her, just let it come natural. I guess as he was killing her. He's rocking back and forth. He's got increased breathing. Another stress cluster. Could be deception. But probably a heavy stress remembering this event that happened. And then what half the more? He's kind of started going around and he opened his trunk. Started trying to get me to do this and that, and I wouldn't do it, and I thought, no way. He took the I was trying to wrap her up, put her in the trunk. So at 1757-34, the interrogator asks, and what happened? He covers his face with both hands, and that's a covering gesture. He doesn't want to talk about it. 1757-46, he states he started going around to his trunk. He's got a hard swallow at that point. A hard swallow is like the Adam's apple, like you're trying to swallow something. A sign of deception. So he stated he was going around to the trunk of the car. And you'll see him do that. It's a hard swallow. It's a sign of deception. I almost don't even know where I was. I know I was driving. My mind was just gone. I was just sitting there in comatose still. And I couldn't believe what I was being seen. And you know, yeah, it was too much. 1758.50, he's stating he didn't feel like he was there. He was comatose. When he's saying that, again, his shoulders lump forward 
and his chin drops to his chest. And that right there is called a body cascade. Now, a body cascade is when you're in a state of submission. He's just basically given up. He was in a coma. I don't even feel like I was there. And you'll see his shoulders slump forward and his chin drop. It's called a body cascade. And you'll see how everything just comes down. His chin to his chest and his shoulders. Pretty interesting to watch. The scenario that you just told us, is that the truth? Is that? Yeah. Is that what actually happened? Yeah. That's what happened. Because I know you've told some different stories in the past. And you saw him kill her. Is that correct? I I watched and I wasn't watching and I watched again and I was like... 180238. He asked, the interrogator asked, is that what happened? He states, I watched, I wasn't watching, and I watched again. Now, that doesn't even make sense. It's being a basin bag. He's not giving any real information. It's vague and irrelevant. I watched, I wasn't watching, and I watched again. Very confusing information. China deception, evasive and bag as always. When you first met Cindy, did you plan on kill, killing her or having her killed or have played any part in her being killed? No way. You did not? Okay. No way. That's part of the truth. Okay? You had no knowledge of what was going to happen, or did you? No. Okay. And even if you did, and if it's too late or too far into it, if you did not actively participate, as you described earlier, then it's still the truth and the same story. If something happened and it's out of your control, then it's out of your control. But you need to explain that. Should you say anything to you? Mike mentions Kathy here. This is an error, and he meant Cindy. 1835-29, asked when you first met Kathy, did you plan on having her killed? No way, he says. He moves away from the interrogator, rubs and wrings his hand, gazes down, and it's another behavior to cluster of stress and deception. So that one's very highly likelihood of deception with all those indicators lumped together. So that's another interesting interesting one to watch at 1835-29. She's saying anything to you? Yeah, a couple times. You know what was that? You used to call me slam. It's slam. Do something, I said. Hey. I think I told her. Don't, don't test him. Don't test him. So, at what? Don't test him. Have you ever tried to fight him yourself? Yeah, I was in kindergarten. And then, but how about now? Do you think you could take him? No. That's my problem, because I don't think I can take him. Okay. She tried bargaining with me, more or less. At least let me go, and I know. I don't know if it was trying to talk, but maybe she just had calmed down and just trying to talk to him. I don't know if she was trying to calm him down. Or what was his reaction? Was, I guess it wasn't the trying to calm him down. It was, and then, she was, then she started screaming again. She was starting to calm down for a minute. Then she started screaming again. 
when he said, so what's the story? What did you tell him? I didn't, I don't think I gave her a fly. I don't remember giving him a red fly. When he asked you, or he told you, I'm not going to prison, did he just say that, or did you ask him, why'd you kill her? I guess he knew. I didn't ask him that. I, he said it. He just said it. I'm not going to prison. Little told on me. My reply, I think, was to his, that you don't want to see me for a while, was I wish I could turn the clock back. I said, I wish I could turn the clock back first, turn the time back. And at 1945-24, the interrogator asks, when West asked what was the story, what did you tell him? I don't think I gave a reply to him. I don't remember giving him a reply. Another memory lapse. He doesn't want to say what he said because he might implicate himself. So he's got a lot of memory lapses, but that sting that he's doing that because he doesn't want to implicate himself in a lot of these things. What you described is a very horrendous nightmare in a lot of ways that you have lived through and saw and been experiencing ever since then. Okay, I understand that. Given the set of circumstances that happened and the fact that you and Wes have been friends for years, although you have not been seeing him lately because of just the way things are, but you guys did grow up together for quite a few years. Okay. You described him taking her out there against her will with her saying, take me back and grabbing by the hair, forcing himself, raping her, basically killing her. Okay. His intention, it sounds to me, was to rape her and to kill her so that she wouldn't tell on him. Basically what you described. Do you know where Cindy is? I'm sure. 210305 asked point blank, do you know where Cindy is? He replies, no, sir, while nodding his head, yes. Right there, verbal message does not match the physical gesture. Deception. Black and white right there. His body saying, yeah, you know, his mind is saying, yeah, you know where she is. But his head's going to say, no, I don't know. He replies, no, no, sir. I don't know where she is. His head nods, yes. It's confusing sometimes, but they don't match. So his mind saying one thing, his verbal cues saying another thing. Deception right there. Do you have any idea? I'm trying to come over here. I can't. I don't. You grew up with him. You've been hunting up there. You've been archery hunted. I've been on foot all around there. There's some places that you and Lauren know more than anybody in this whole world. You and Wes. I'm sorry. I'm looking at you and I'm saying your name. 210309. Do you have any idea where she is? Cave is down. Another sign of deception. There's some places that you guys know, and I know. I'm a hunter. I. I've been places where I say there's no way nobody's set foot in this 
You can be the hero here. I wish that. And give this for her. I know that. I know that. But what I'd like to do. What I'm saying is, there's some places that you and him have been hunting, hiking, and just strolling around. I'm really. I never so long. I don't know. 2103.35. You'll see him rubbing the back of his neck. Really, no question was asked at that point, but he's rubbing the back of that neck pretty vigorously, and that's a stretch relief. He can feel the stress building up, and he wants to relieve it, so he's going to self-soothe. So he's going to reach behind there and give himself a little self-massage. Since all of this has happened, he has not indicated to you anything that would tell us where he placed that body. I thought he would. Why wouldn't he? He saw everything. You know how crucial this is? I know it. Because if I'm not Yeah, I know more. If I need man, we would I would never be gone. I thought it might have been on the property, but I guess that's for search, right? But there's, I know there's mines and stuff there that I don't know where they're at. I know I've you know, heard of them. If I knew where there's certain mine shafts where they are on that property, I would take it. Right? But I'm not really sure. At 2106.14, they're asking him, he's telling them about, he knows there are mines there, but I don't know where they're at. He knows there's mines there, but he doesn't know where they're at. He's contradicting himself. And he's being evasive and inconsistent right there. 210602, he states, I thought it might have been on the property, but that's been searched. So he's trying to get information from the interrogators. That's been searched. So you didn't find anything? Hopefully you didn't find anything. And then he's got his palms open. I'm telling you the truth. I have nothing to hide. He just wants to know how much they know. Like, you've already searched those, right? But I'm open. I'm not hiding anything. You'll see the palms turn up. 210611. Again, same subject. I know there's mines and stuff, but I really don't know where they're at. I've heard of them. If I knew where they were, the, the certain mines were on the property, I'd take you there. But Wes never really showed me. And right there, at the end of that, at the end of that statement he makes about the mines, he never really showed me. His pitch rate goes really quiet. He says, he's saying it all pretty clearly and kind of loud. And then when he says, he never really showed me, he almost whispers it. So changing voice, pitch, and volume, deception cue right there. Oh, he did show him. He probably did know. But he's saying, he never really showed me. I was trying to think of something. Did Wes threaten? Um, did he threaten you? Yeah, 210634. Did Wes threaten you? This is one of the big ones. Delayed response, nine seconds. Again, if listeners listen, watch their stopwatch for nine seconds. You'll see how long that is. And he's thinking, will this help me if I say Wes threatened me? I got to give a good answer for this. And that's why it took him so long. Is this going to help me? Will, they, will I, I play the sympathy card if I say, yeah, Wes threatened me. Wes threatened me and my family. Maybe that'll help me out. 
At 2106.35, he repeats back the question, did he threaten me? When you repeat back the question, another sign of deception, that gives the mind just that extra second or two to clear your mind and say, what am I going to answer? How am I going to answer? What's the best answer? What's the acceptable answer I can give to them? That's why repeating back the question gives you that just that small amount of time to formulate a good answer. Believe me, you can do it in a couple of seconds. All right. You know, when someone does that, their mind's in the process of making decisions. How can I answer this? Probably mostly to my benefit. If I give them a good answer, how's it going to go? Is it going to go this way? Is it going to go that way? So there's those delayed responses. His mind's racing. It's going, what, what's the best thing for me to say? What did you like before? Kevin? Scary. Scared of what? A few things. What are those things? All right. Now we're talking about. At 21.07.32, why did you lie before? The interrogator asked him. This is asking Lauren. His answer, I was scared. And he says it very quietly. And the interrogator asks him, scared of what? And Lauren answers a few things. A few things? What things? He doesn't go into any details. And they don't ask him what things? It was just left it hanging right there. West Sherman time? Yes. You're scared of West Sherman time. And he's your friend. Like I said, we ain't been for a long time. I'm trying to get just over that. Way he is, way he turns, person. This was my friend. Are you scared because he's unpredictable? Yes, sir. What else were you scared of? Main thing. What was the other one? I was more ashamed than scared the other way. Ashamed of what? He is scared of him. Think at one time you had mentioned being ashamed of. What, Lauren? I mean, it'll be happening. I mean, I'll say. Do nothing for what? Same. Be able to stop it? Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you have stopped it? I'll try and figure out a better way. I'll try it. Did he tell you how he killed Chevy Lord? No. He just said he killed her? Yeah. Why would he tell you? I don't know why. Just because he figured, you know, asked me what I was up, and I guess he just had to tell me because I shouldn't know. Did you have anything to do with him, with her? I don't know. You didn't help him like you did with Cindy? Did he tell you he's killed anybody else? No. Well, she not named in particular. She told me one time, you'll tell me what people are saying. I don't think you want to go there, Lauren. I don't, I really, and I understand why. But I think you have knowledge of 
some other homicides that he's done. And at some point in time, maybe not right now, and I'm not going to push it. Okay. It may be very advantageous for you to spend a couple of hours of your life to make sure that the truth comes out. about the evilness inside of this guy. I throw it on you but really dumb. But I told you because you, I just wanted you to just stop him myself. Wes is making comments about you. Yeah. Things such as Lauren and I have hunted just about everything including the ultimate game. You know what that ultimate game is. There is no ultimate game for him. He's implicating you. What I foresee here is that when we haul Wes in here, he's going to pin it on me. No matter what, he's holding over your head is going to come out. Finally, we asked Mike to watch Wesley Shermantine's interview on March 18, 1999, the day after he was arrested. Shermantine is set in the corner of a police interview room. He's wearing a yellow and black hooded top with a dark top underneath that has a yellow and blue pattern. He has dark hair and a mustache. He's being interviewed by Tony Cruz. You know, I just want to start off with him. The guy that is stone faith, his body shows no movement. And that in itself can be an aversion behavior. So the whole time he's talking to them, he barely moves. There's a few times we'll get to it. But the whole time, he's very one position, stone faith. And he doesn't move a lot. And this can be, like I said, an aversion behavior. He's got it. He's going to say only what they ask, and he's not going to get into a lot of details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery holding up? Mine's been draining lately, consumed by the darkness of true crime tales. But amidst the shadows, it's crucial to remember to prioritize our mental well-being. Just like unraveling a twisted plot, therapy helps me untangle the knots in my mind. It's about gaining clarity, finding strength, and reclaiming control over your life. Considering therapy, BetterHelp offers a lifeline in the darkness. It's completely online, giving you the freedom to seek help in your own terms. And with a simple questionnaire, you can be matched with a licensed therapist who understands your unique struggles. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash foul today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foul, F-O-U-L. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You tell me, what are the possibilities of Cindy's blood being in your trunk? I don't know that it is Cindy's blood. We're telling you, it's 169 million to one. And I don't know how it got in there. It's your car. Yes, it is. You have to make a decision in your own head to decide whether or not you really want to come forth with whatever happened if you're not responsible. If you're responsible, you know what? You know, there's not, there's, you know what I'm saying? If I had something to do with Cindy's disappearance, I would have been gone a long time ago. Are you afraid of anybody out there, somebody threatening you? No. So let's go back that night. What happened? I stopped by Lauren's house. And as though they said he went to town, she called the bar. They said he wasn't there. She called again. They said he wasn't there. She called back to the phone to me, and he got on the phone. They told me he was over there drinking shooting pool. Come on over. So I went over there. At 8.01.37, they asked him, what happened last night? Again, just like Lauren, delayed response. Almost eight seconds. Again, he's trying to think what he can say. What would, I wonder what Lauren said. What should I say? Are they going to contradict? So I have to say a good I have to come up with a good answer. 801-46. His answers seem scripted, almost well rehearsed. Now, scripted and well rehearsed answers are a sign of deception. He's rehearsed these answers in his mind. He's got the timeline down. And on some of them, they're very specific. So, for instance, he said he... He almost gives bullet points instead of telling a story. So he says, I stopped by Lauren's house. His old lady said he went to town. She called the bar. He said he wasn't there. She called again to say he wasn't there. They're bullet points. He's not telling a story. And they're very, he's almost robotic when he says this stuff. Rehearse this. There's my timeline. This is what I'm going to tell him. And that's what he does. Cindy and the one guy came in around 12.30, maybe 12. And uh, they sat middle ways of the bar. Fred was still there because Manuel was talking. Lauren was sitting behind us at a table. He went over and uh, pulled with that guy, whatever his name is, her boyfriend. And I talked to her. Then Fred left. I was seeing karaoke with Pam. And then Cindy and him left. And the karaoke, karaoke wrapped up. Cindy and him left. 
like Coke Tech Sheffield. I don't know what they left in, what they were driving or anything. And Lauren and Pam were standing outside the bar there when they walked out together all. They left, Lauren came back in, and Pam. Then we had a couple more drinks and getting close to closing time there. We closed down the bar, we left. And they got my car, turned around, because my park was headed towards Stockton. So they came down Flood Road. I turned around, started to head back up the hills, because that's where I was headed. And uh, me and Lauren had already talked about me staying the night at this house, because I've been drinking so much. I had to turn around and go back down Flood. Once I started down the road, see his bike didn't start, because the light didn't come on. Now it was no further than, oh, maybe the church right there. It's on the left-hand side. By the Warren's house? No, no, the church on uh, from where the bar was. Oh, okay. I turned around, went back. Pam was up there trying to help him push start his bike. She went back in the bar. I helped him try to push start, and there would start. We pushed it over. Well, he pushed it over behind the pizza parlor and left it over there at the Quonson Hut. I gave him right home. Okay. So you get to Lauren's house. And what do you do at Lauren's house? We go into the garage, this side door of the house. In there, and I crashed out on the floor, right there. Earlier, you mentioned Lauren. Lauren might be responsible for Cindy's blood in your trunk. I didn't say that. Okay, I don't know. I thought that's where you were going. I can't blame no one because I don't know. At eight oh five forty three. They're talking about Lauren being responsible for Cindy's blood in his trunk. And he says, I can't blame no one. I can't blame no one. He turns his palms up. I'm being honest. I'm being open. I'm telling you the truth. Because I don't know, then he says. Memory lapse. I don't know. And then he gazes down. Right there, memory lapse, gazes down, sign of deception on Sherman time. Right there. Sign of deception. Pretty textbook, black and white. I don't know. And I'm going to look down because I'm not telling the truth and I don't want to make eye contact with you. Is there somebody else involved? That night? The fact is, Wes. I wish I'd never stopped that war that night. Well, you're not the only one. So do we. Could be here right now. I'm sure. Everybody else. The scenario is this. Cindy's blood is in the back of your car. No question about it. It's proven scientifically. Lauren is responsible, and you're just trying to help your childhood buddy. Trying to protect him. If <clears throat> that's what you're doing, if you, if you want to you go down the boat. I'm not trying to help him. At 8.05.49, they asked Sherman Time, was there, in, was there somebody else involved that night? Delayed response slash no response. He doesn't even give a response. The interrogators didn't even ask. Ask him again. Hey, didn't you hear us? We asked if anybody else was involved. There was no response, and they just moved on. It blew my mind. I'm like, why didn't you ask him again? Snap out of it. You know what I mean? 
Has he threatened you in the past? Orange threatened a lot of people. Has he threatened you? Yeah, he's pulled a gun on me before, too. At 829.02, they ask him, has Lauren threatened you? Another one. Delayed response, almost 10 seconds long. And again, count those on a stopwatch to see how long you can think of a good answer for that. And that's just what he's doing. If there's something that happened that night, you have to tell us now. It's as simple as that. We can't make it any simpler for you. If you lied in the past, I don't care about the lies. I want the truth. But what happened that night? There's blood in your car. There's a simple explanation. He knows it. I know it. It's there. Take the opportunity. Oh, my Lord, praise Okay. So nothing is said is wrong. It's 0831. You said you wanted a lawyer present? Okay. I tried. I really tried to. Okay. And it won't be long before a missile comes to light in regards to what information and evidence we have. At 831.49, this is when he lawyers up, moves away from the interrogator, crosses his arms, and gazes down. It's called a blocking and crossing behavior. He's shut off. He lawyers up. And he doesn't want to talk anymore. It's a sign of deception, a blocking and crossing behavior, but he's not going to say anything else. He's done talking to them, and they note the time, and that's the end of his that's the end of his interrogation. And I wish they had more with him, but that was the only one. Like I said, his whole body language, his whole posture sitting there, aversion. He doesn't want to talk about any of this. It's delayed responses. He doesn't want to say the wrong thing. He's going to think of a better answer. We found the analysis of these interviews fascinating and hope that you did too. Having someone describe their use of words, their actions, and their overall behavior makes listening to these and watching the videos even more interesting. To finish off, Mike did a little summing up for us of what he had seen. And it's almost like what I got from the two of these guys. They're just playing each other. He wants to blame him. Lauren's playing the sympathy card. He was scared. He's saying, yeah, he threatened him. They're just going off each other. I'm going to blame him. He's going to blame me. But I'll wrap this up and say that I believe to all Lauren's indicators and his, his memory reanimation, his memory lapses, convenient memory lapses. He was equally involved. They were both partners. They both knew what the other one did, but they were just at the end. They wanted to get off maybe on a lighter sentence. Each one blamed the other. I don't know. This is just my opinion. But just the way they were acting, just their indicators, everything I read, everything I observed, that's pretty much the conclusion I came to. And it's too bad 
that their interrogators weren't more educated or informed back then about all these signs of deception and stuff. I think it could have gone a lot more in detail and got a lot more results from the interrogation. But it just, it's pretty obvious the way they're playing off of each other. Yeah, he threatened me. I threatened him. Yeah, I didn't do anything. I just watched. Come on. Any, I think any person seeing someone assaulted, murdered, beat, or whatever he did would have jumped in or something. It just doesn't make sense. And all the denial flag, I didn't do it. Honestly, you want me to sign my name in blood? I'm proving to you I'll do that if I have to because I didn't do it. It's just over the top stuff. And most of Lauren's stuff is his deception cues anyway he's got some stress going on and a lot of those aversion cues he's definitely a major player in this whole missing people murdered yeah it's just too bad and it's just too bad these guys are just it's sad for these families and west is where he should be and I believe that whatever was going to come about by Wes was showing them where the bodies were and telling them Lauren did it all. It was Lauren's burying ground that Lauren was getting all. I don't want to go back to prison because Wes will get me or whatever. And I'm just going to take my own life. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back through all that crap. So I'm ending it now rather than go through that. That's what I think. I want to say one more thing about Sherman Tyne. I would definitely put him in a category as a psychopath. The guy shows no shows no feelings. Like he can just talk about anything and not show any stress, not show any fear, not show any just he's just blank. It's just on that it's just my observation. I'm I don't personally know the guy or anything. I would want to, but yeah, he's definitely not all there. Absolutely. We want to thank Mike for his time and for the fascinating insights. In the next episode, we will be starting to look at Wesley Shermantine's trial. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.